Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Good morning, Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. How are you doing today? Are we headed to the Klondike again? You know what? We are. We are. We liked that so much last week. Well, you know, it's an intriguing story about, uh, what was the name of the staircase? Uh, the Golden Staircase. Golden Staircase. Going up the mountain. I sat, and I'll bet you I thought about that story last week after you left, and I got off the air. You know, the courage, the perseverance... The dedication, and I'm going to also add the stupidity <laughs> of people going up into the Klondike. Okay, well, we're going to talk about a different route today. And this one is going to, this is going to kind of tear at our hearts just a little bit, okay? Because okay. we're going to talk about a place called the White Pass. Okay. All right? Also called Dead Horse Pass. Ooh. All right? So here we are, the town of Skagway. You know, there wasn't much law enforcement at the time. It was just a lawless town. Uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, thieves and murderers, stuff like that. But it was still a lot of guys that were just headed to the Klondike to pan for gold or get gold. Mm-hmm. But the pattern was set early in August when a Frenchman was caught stealing from a cache on the White Pass Trail. A committee was elected to deal with the offense and deal with it they did. They lashed their prisoner to a pole right in front of his tent and they uh, pumped him full of bullets. They left his body hanging there for three days as kind of an object lesson to anybody coming along if they thought that uh, stealing was a good thing. You mentioned on the last program that uh, someone had stolen something from a a pile of goods that had been left on the Golden Staircase? Well, yeah, it was along the path, and so they just took everything he had and sent him on his way, and nobody helped him because the word passed down, do not help this guy, he's a thief. Yeah. So Skagway, you know, we talked a little about this last week. The ships, they kept coming in and in hundreds of uh, boats uh, from big freighters to little canoes to little uh, creaking boats. Uh, and uh, then they had little boats that shuttled from the boat to the beach back and forth because right. the boats actually, uh, the bigger ones that were actually quite a long ways out from the shore. Now, each incoming ship was forced to anchor about a mile offshore and to dump the men, outfits, and animals into the water. Now, horses were actually swung from the decks in special boxes whose bottoms opened, and it just dropped the horse, plunging and kicking into the water. They didn't gently lower him down, but trunks and packing cases were dropped into the waiting boats, and a lot of times these were actually smashed. They weren't. They were just in a hurry to get everything off, so mm. they weren't really careful. And I don't suppose they had any insurance companies. They didn't have a lot going for them. Yeah. yeah. And when they got to shore, they just threw everything onto the gravelly beach, and oh sometimes they were lost, sometimes they were stolen. Uh, now another thing, uh, kind of like the California Gold Rush when boats came in, the cat and struggled to keep their crews because some of these crewmen when they they had ulterior motives they knew that when they got to alaska they were going to jump ship okay so out. then what about being shanghai did the crews or the captains try to you know, get people up, up there not so much that not i there. know of now okay. california yeah they yeah. did in san francisco but you know all the world had suddenly heard about skagway in fact a san francisco newspaper likened Skagway Bay to that of a, he says, like a nest of ants stirred up by somebody with a stick. Oh, my. Thousands of people. But 
the beaks had truly become a human anthill. Uh, in fact, uh, it was a mess, a confusing mess. What about the sanitary conditions and living uh, conditions? I mean, how dangerous was it to live there health-wise? Not good. That's why you wanted to head out as quick as you could and not stay in Skagway. Really? I mean, think of it. Thousands of men, horses, mules, oxen, people with all their gear, uh, you know, a jungle of tents and sheet iron stoves, uh, Boats upside down on a, you know, just a, a mess. Mountains of goods and and hay. They actually brought hay in for the for some of the horses and mules. Wow! So on top of these sprawling heaps, the men would yell out the names of every outfit and toss them down to the waiting owners. And the most far-sighted of the stampeders had already organized themselves into landing committees to rope off areas to guard their stacks of of goods at gunpoint. So they had already formed some partnerships I see and put a rope around you know maybe five or six of you and one guy would stand there with a gun make sure nobody came to it was almost impossible for one person to make it you really you you had to have partners yeah at least one anyway but now Skagway uh, was kind of uh, is on a narrow neck of the panhandle uh, and it formed kind of an American bridge into Canadian territory so you had to get into Canadian territory and get down the river to the Klondike through Skagway Right. Or die. I mean, there was other ways, but Skagway was one of them. So night and day, the beach was never still. Uh, rubber-booted men in constantly shifting streams were forever dragging their outfits across the, think of this, the tide, the mud, in an effort to get above the high water line. Now, the extreme rise and fall showed a difference of 30 feet. Uh, of tide. 30 feet, it would get that much deeper when the tide came in. And the onrushing waters advanced at such a speed that a lot of them, returning to their stacks of provisions, found that they'd been totally submerged in the salt water. So if the uh, the tide normally, and I'm trying to remember when I was in Spain, I think the tide's out for about five or six hours at the most. I'm not sure exactly. And that would be like a window of opportunity for them to get everything off the beach. And I'm sure some of them eventually figured out, okay, we've only got, you know, three hours or four hours to get our stuff in and it's gone yeah but above the beach the town of skagway was still taking shape there were shacks and tents crammed with men that were just so anxious to get over the trail into the klondike before things froze up so there was a big rush a big hurry to get over there what was it like maybe may through what august yeah or or, you know into the fall you didn't want to go too far before things froze up yeah But, uh, you know, the main street was nothing more than a single rut of black mud down which, you know, the river of men and animals just constantly flowing. There were four makeshift saloons along the route. There were campsites that rented at $10 a week. There was a blacksmith shop, and it cost $5 to have a single horseshoe hammered on. There was a doctor's tent serving as a drugstore and a restaurant. So it, it was a, a mess of people. The care of the livestock intrigues me, though, because you said they had to freight all the hay in. Well, yeah, they didn't have much as far as feed. Any for forage there. up there. Some, but they still had to supplement it. So now picture this, 3,000 3, pack horses were there at this time, loaded as high as, t- high as they could load them. And oh, wow. this is where, to me, it gets a little sad, you know. Of all the routes to the Klondike, the Skagway Trail across what they called White Pass, more than any other, brought out the worst in men. And there's none who survived ever forgot it, and most who remembered it did so with kind of a sense of shame and remorse. 
It looks so easy, you know, a jaunt through the rolling hills on horseback, not much more. I mean, that, that was the vision they had going into this, that, hey, I'm just going to get on a horse. I'll pack my stuff on a horse, just go through this easy ride and yeah. get my stuff up there. Yeah. There's a guy by the name of Frank Thomas of Plymouth, Indiana, and he expressed his feelings when he wrote this letter from Skagway. And this was in the early fall of 1897. So he was getting close to the end of when he could make it. Here's what he said. I am a few days older than when I left and a great deal wiser. I have been working like a slave since I came here, trying to get over the trail, and am not yet over yet. Not over yet. And furthermore, do not think I will be in time to get down the Yukon this winter. Since I came, we have lost our mule and one horse on this accursed trail. This is the most discouraging work I ever did. There are thousands of people here, all mad and crazy, just like us. I am undoubtedly a crazy fool for being here in this godforsaken country, but I have the consolation of seeing thousands of other men in all stages of life, rich and poor, wise and foolish, here in the same plight as I. Let me. How long was the distance mileage-wise? Uh, to get on the White Pass, it was 40 miles. 40 miles, and it took how long? Well, it, it, it just depends on you know how quick you could get over it. Oh, my So I mean, it took days. So you had to wait in line. Yeah. So the trail on which Thomas found himself was a 40, well, it says here, 45-mile switchback that plunged through bog and mire over boulders and shale, cliff sides, crossed and recrossed rivers, leapfrogged mountains, and followed the canyon, valley, summit, and slope until it ended on the crescent beaches of Lake Bennett, where the Yukon River had its beginnings. Wow. So whether you climbed the Golden Staircase or you took the White Pass, your goal was to get over to Lake Bennett so you could get a boat or a raft or something and follow the Yukon River down to Dawson. You know, one thing that really hits me is they're really alone. They're up there, yeah. and if all of a sudden health reasons, broken leg or whatever, what are You're they going trouble. to do? Yeah. Now, last week I talked about the Dye Trail that led directly to the base of Chilkut and up the yeah. Golden Staircase, yeah. staircase uh, in kind of a single leap. The Skagway Trail, the White Pass, had a series of obstacles. Its uh, beginnings were kind of deceptive, actually. It started out as kind of a, not a bad uh, wagon road that led for several miles over flat timber and swampland. Then began the series of hills, each hill separated by a mire. I mean, imagine going across back and forth a soggy riverbed, and it zigzagged by some narrow, narrow uh, paths in mountains. Do you have any pictures of the trail itself? I don't, but I've got a picture I'll show you here in a minute about okay. uh, the right. White Pass. Uh, first of all, as you headed out, there was a place called Devil's Hill, and this was Slate Cliffs, the path only two feet wide. Two now, feet? You and I have been in the mountains and crossed slate, uh, and it's scary. You don't want to get a horse off the trail oh. in slate. But it wound like a corkscrew, and where a single misstep by a badly loaded horse could mean death. Two feet? Yeah. A sheer 500 feet below. I mean, we're talking the side of a mountain. Uh, we're not talking me there. No. <laughs> and next there was a place called Porcupine Hill, and oh, it was what wow. they call a roller coaster ride where the animals must pick their way between 10-foot-high boulders. Then came a place called Summit Hill, a 1,000-foot climb, sharp rocks that tore at the horse's feet, uh, and slabs of granite barred the way, mud holes, 
actually swallowed sometimes animals, packs and all. You know, the thing is, these horses that were on these uh, pack animals and also saddle horses, they probably had never seen or been subjected to anything like that. Well, yeah, some of these horses had never been broke. Okay, now one more mountain pass blocked the way before Lake Bennett, and that was uh, when that you finally got there. Then you were okay. Now, of the 5,000 men and women who attempted to cross the White Pass in the fall of 97, only the tiniest handful reached their goal in time to navigate the Yukon River before it froze up. What did the rest of them do? I don't know. They They stayed there? either went back to Skagway or holed up for the winter somehow. But the slow movement over the pass, picture this. Those in the front struggling, followed by a line of stragglers, and you picture this, Zeb, it's not the best of weather up there. Raining all the time, the mud, the cold, the rain. And again, the the trail was not wide enough to allow two animals to pass. Well, I was just going to say, what about somebody coming back down? That's their problem. They've got to figure out a way to step aside so people can keep going up. How do you do that? Two feet? Yeah. So time With my ag- crutches, I need at least four. <laughs> so, you know, time and again, all the movement ground to a stop. There, people would stop and build a fire, and these shivering men, they were oh. haggard, they were dazed, they were tired, and they were waiting for the human chain to resume its movement up the hill. Because if somebody up front got in trouble, they had to just stop and wait for them to, to get things going again. So during these delays, the horses for miles back had to stand oftentimes for hours with these heavy, heavy loads pressing down on the backs. And they couldn't move. Because no one would chance unloading them in case movement suddenly resumed, and an animal might remain loaded for 24 hours. So this I was- am absolutely astounded because, you know, you talk about this. Uh, if a mule or a horse decided all of a sudden that it was going to turn around. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah, but, you know, this is one reason why scarcely a single horse survived of the 3,000 that were used to cross Are you kidding the White me? Pass in 97, 3,000. So here wow. was this, it was really the shame of the Skagway Trail. Uh, many of these horses and mules were ready for the glue factory when they were brought uh, out of Victoria or Seattle at huge prices, and while others had never been broken or felt the weight of a pack, so few of the men, picture this, a few of the men who stampeded to the Klondike had ever handled a horse before, and so it was not unusual for two partners to spend an entire day trying to load a single horse. By the time they reached the summit, the horses that had fetched $200 in Skagway were not worth 20 cents. Well, now, just a second here. Um, these horses that went up there, what about the equipment and the packs if they went off the edge? You said very few of them gone. ever made it. It's gone forever. Pretty much. I'll talk a little bit about that, yeah. But the Klondikers, you know, they they just wanted to get across the mountain at the, any cost. And the cost always included the life of that animal. So when you talked about I them coming back down, when you talked about coming back down, probably none of them could come back down. So, And that was the only way? Well, no. You had a, There were other ways to get there. But like I said, the Golden Staircase or there was other ways to get to the Klondike. But this was one way. That they did the the mountains. To me, I'd the be white scratching path. that off the list. Yeah, but you know, a quarter of a mile from the Canadian border, each owner performed kind of a grisly uh, rite. He carefully unloaded his pack animal and then smoothed the blanket over its back 
to conceal the running sores, or what we would call saddle sores, that most horses suffered at the hands of these amateurs that didn't pack them right. The mounted police would shoot a sore or injured horse on sight if it was brought across the line into Canada. Wow. Now, you and I have both seen saddle sores on horses. Yeah. You don't even saddle a horse until that's healed up and, and doing okay. I know. And it. you doctor it. You know, there's a guy by the name of Samuel H. Graves. Uh, He would never forget the day that he passed a horse that had a broken leg a few minutes before at a point where the trail squeezed between two big boulders. And he says the horse's pack had been removed and someone had knocked it in the head with an axe. And then the traffic was resumed directly across the still warm body. When Graves returned that evening, there was not. Uh, anything of the uh, carcass left because of people walking over and over and over it. All you saw was the head and the tail on each side of the trail. Well, can we be a little bit more gruesome? Okay, all right, here you go. (laughs) A veteran horseman by the name of Major Walsh, he was an officer of the uh, Northwest Mounted Police, and he crossed the trail that fall with the government party and was horrified at what he saw. He, he, quote, he says, such a scene of havoc and destruction can scarcely be managed, imagined. Thousands of pack horses lie dead along the way, sometimes in bunches under the cliffs, with pack saddles and packs where they have fallen from the rocks above, sometimes in tangled masses, filling the mud holes and furnishing the only footing for our poor pack animals on the march. The inhumanity which this trail has been witness to, the heartbreak and suffering so many have undergone, cannot be imagined. They certainly cannot be described. And that was his description. Real quick, a question. If they lost their pack animals and all the goods that they needed to survive, the food, the pans, the cooking utensils, everything... What did they do? Did you just turn around and walk back? What would you do? You couldn't well, I mean, keep going. Because you're talking you about have... thousands of guys. You'd think the guy would say, oh, boy, if they're not going to make it, I'm not even going to try. Right. I mean, what would you do? You couldn't keep going. Oh, You'd have to turn around. My. So there's another guy, and he was one of the several stampeders, and he reported that the tortured animals were actually trying to commit suicide rather than negotiate the trail. He insisted that he saw an ox trying to fling itself over a cliff. A similar incident, <clears throat> a horse walked over the edge of Porcupine Hill, and every, <clears throat> excuse me, Zeb, and every man who witnessed the incident swore it was suicide, that this horse just had, done, had it and just stepped off the cliff. 500 feet. Yeah. So I know, uh, you know, the horses, they say, died like mosquitoes on the first oh. frost. And from Skagway to Lake Bennett, says they rotted in heaps. Jack London wrote, they died at the rocks, they were poisoned at the summit, and they starved at the lakes. They fell off the trail, what there was of it, and they went through it. In the river, they drowned under their loads, over smashed to pieces against the boulders. They snapped their legs in the crevices and broke their backs, falling backwards with their packs. Oh, my. In the sloughs, they sank or smothered in the slime. Uh, sorry, Zeb, this is the way it happened. And I, and I know it makes you and I sick. They were disemboweled in bogs where logs turned up in the mud. Oh, Men shot them, worked them to death, and when they were gone, went back to the beach and bought more. All some, that for Some gold. did not bother to shoot them. They stripped the saddles off and the shoes and leaving them where, where they fell. Their hearts turned to stone, they say. The men on dead horse trail. Well, then it says within a month the trail was almost uh, impassable, and by September everything came to a stop. It was too frozen over. 
But by this time, it was obvious to all that no one else was going to reach the Klondike that spring. Uh, a thousand were already in retreat. You asked about that. They're already heading back to Skagway. And so they're trying to sell their outfits, which were strewn along 40 miles, 40 miles of packed stuff all along the trail, people wanting to sell them, which they probably couldn't sell. Uh, mm-hmm. And there were uh, all these outfits with signs saying uh, for sale. Uh, now, men had been willing to pay a sum to reach Lake Bennett. Uh, some have given 50 cents apiece simply to use a log that one guy had flung over a stream uh, so they wouldn't have to go through the stream. He put a log across it so and charged them like 50 cents apiece. So, this is unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, it needs to be told because that was the inhumanity and the uh, the frailties of mankind during that era. I Let mean, me oh, pictures, my. oh, that's terrible. You know, again, you... That's are, down below the cliff of the yeah, trail? Yeah. Oh, my goodness and sakes. And you and I are horse lovers to know I don't even want to look at that one. My, my, my. Doctor yeah. history. Woo! It was a you different know, I, time, wasn't I, it? I, I kind of didn't want to tell the story, but I thought, you know what? It's what happened at the time. Yeah, really. I, you know, hopefully never, ever, ever happens again. Absolutely.